My guest today is Adekunle Duye, design engineer at Plaid based in Brooklyn, New York. Welcome to the show. I'm really excited for this combo because you've had the experience of working between design and engineering. And so you have a really good perspective of really how things work and how teams can start to collaborate. So I'm really excited to, to get into that. I want to open the show, which I do with all my guests, with a few icebreakers. And so the first one that I usually like to start out with, because I get some really interesting responses, is what is something that you're currently obsessed with? Oh, that's a good question. I would say one of the things like recently is like going to museums. So I used to go to museums a lot when I was like a kid and I had to do projects, like art projects and whatnot. So I stopped doing it for a while. Yeah. And I think literally a month ago, I was like, all right, I need to do something different. So... I started looking into like museum memberships because I was like, why do people have like memberships in museums? Like it's sometimes and most of the time it's free and whatnot, but yeah. there's a lot of perks and also you're able to go to the museum when it's not crowded. So I actually bought like mm. three memberships and I'm like, I just came from one preview yesterday at the Met Museum and I'm going to another one in the MoMA. Yeah. So that's one thing I'm like wow. super obsessed with right now. Yeah. Look, New York is the place to be going to museums if you were to have a museum membership. So I'm assuming like you generally tend to lean towards like art museums more than others or what? Is it like the whole natural history? What do you have? Natural history. Sometimes there's, I don't know, art. Is there any other categories I'm missing? Yeah, they have a bunch of them, but I tours usually tour, lean towards the more traditional like painting and whatnot, because that's what I used to do when I was in high school, so I do a lot of like canvas paintings and using like acrylic paints mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So yeah. I'm not a big fan of art history. I, that was like my worst subject in school because it's like, it's all about like memory and whatnot. And I'm like, I'm here to do yeah. stuff and not remember, oh, why did this person use this specific figure right. and whatnot? So yeah, towards like more painting yeah. versus like art history. Do you have a favorite artist or favorite artists? Yeah. So, yeah, I think Basquiat was one of them because it's like unorthodox way of doing things. Yeah. Another is, I would say like one artist, but like the, anyone that like does any like pointillism kind of paintings, that's, I'm super interested mm. in that because yeah. you have to have real patience to, to do that. I tried to do it a couple of times. I was like, yeah, I don't have the patience, but you could see it, especially where it's like digital art, where it's like small dots, but you're doing yeah. it with the actual, like with a painting brush, which is like time consuming. Mm -hmm. But like that, those arts yeah. are super interesting. Yeah. All right. Next question. What's top of mind for you right now? There's so much happening in the world. There's a lot happening in, in our industry. Obviously, AI is a big thing. Is there anything in particular that you've been thinking about? recently. AI is one of those things I'm constantly thinking about because I feel sometimes like there's trends that come and go and I think AI is here to stay. Yeah. So for sure. me, it's to figure out how to use AI in my work. So I don't, I don't want to be like one of those like old school cats where it's like, oh, like I don't use that because I like to use, you know, how like people back in the day, oh yeah, back in the day, I never had a cell phone. I just used pay for it. So I'm like, right. that. so I'm trying oh. to like, <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to like, I know it's here to yeah. stay. So figure out how can I use it right now? So I'm exploring ways like, okay, if I'm working in design systems in five, 10 years, how can AI sure. play a role with that? So using yeah. ChatBC and like using other stuff that figure out how to leverage it and like what use cases would sure. be like I could use it for. So yeah, that's like the top of mind for me. Yeah. It's fascinating just being able to like type something in the chat GPT and it generate code for you. I know there's a lot of designers that are doing the web design thing, right? I think I saw a designer 
on my feet the other day that was like doing it to build like loaders and transitions. And so that can, those are things that can help accelerate your work. It's like delegating the things that you may not possibly be good at, but you understand. I think it's important to understand it. Okay. Last question, not as serious, but when you get into the flow of things, like what, what's on your playlist? Oh yeah. Good question. So I tend to lean towards more of lo-fi hip hop. Yeah. Cause I tend to listen to hip hop like before, like with like lyrics or not. And I felt like that was yeah. kind of distracting. Sometimes you get into distracting. Yeah. Cause like you'd be like, especially if your song comes on, you'd be like, oh, and you just, you get, you start to get about to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it happened a lot. And then, especially like working from home, I got to control myself. If I was in the office, yeah. it'd been different. Cause I, I'm not like, I can't really act the fool up there, but at home, like I'd be just like a song comes play and then I'm like, get into like I'm dancing and stuff and then I look up and I was oh wait 20 minutes passed so I gotta that's why I do stuff that has no lyrics because it's like super helpful keeps me focused but it's also background music but yeah that's what I listen to yeah no I feel you on that I it's really fun I always ask people this question and I need to stop asking it because everyone literally says lo-fi hip-hop for the exact same reason it's really interesting because I feel like I've gotten to that point too where I really just can't listen to music that I actually know. It has to be music I've completely never heard of before. That's the only way I can hack it. But hey, let's get to know a little bit more about you. Maybe give the listeners just like a brief background in terms of just, we'll start to, how did you get into design and how did you get into engineering? And I'd love to understand like what kind of motivated you to move in between both. Because I think now you're in between both of them, right? Yeah, that's correct. So yeah, a brief history. I studied art throughout like most of my educational life. So it was like art painting yep. and whatnot. So I was doing that for from K to 12. And then I really wanted to do it more. And then I think I went to one class and they were like, if you're thinking about doing art, you got to rethink if this is life you want, because you're not going to make as yep. much money and whatnot. And then I remember my mom telling me, it's like, how are you going to feed yourself? And I was like, okay, I got to figure out something else that's like creative in the realm and whatnot. So I pivoted to like design. So. I studied a lot of, I took a lot of classes around like communication design, focusing on typography, color theory and whatnot. And then my first role was like a web designer at a small boutique company. And the great thing about that job is I was doing everything. And fun fact, they were like, oh yeah, do you want to get into code? Answer in my head. I was like, no, because I did take like Dreamweaver back in college and I hated it. So Throwback. it was like people throw, I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. I can't, I just shouldn't stand it. So. I was forced into it because oh, like yeah, that app wasn't the greatest either in hindsight. Yeah. But it's, I just remember like having to slice up my designs and try to code it. I was like, this thing, this is so bootleg. I was like, I don't want no parts of this, but yo, for people that don't know what he's talking about, you were working in Photoshop, right? You were designing the mocks of Photoshop and then you had to go in and slice the different elements and then export it. And I think ideally, if it worked, the idea is that you were slicing in Photoshop and you could export it directly in the Dreamweaver. But that was never the case. <laughs> yeah, that, so that was basically it. It was like, and I remember questioning, I was like, why am I doing Because literally it's like, you slice it up and then you have to put it into tables. So yeah. everything's a table. And let's say you want to like change like the background or whatever like that. You basically have to like, like export the whole site again and do it over. It, it was, I don't know how we were like building websites like that, but it was one of the things where I was like, maybe this is not for me. But again, if like I was forced, I was not forced, but I was like, 
I was an intern. I was like, all right, whatever they say, I'm just going to do it. So I was doing a lot of like front end, back end, like e-commerce stuff. And I was like, oh, I kind of like this front end. Like once you understand it, but also I wanted to dive deeper into it because I'll have designs and I send it to like my developers and they'd be like, yeah, we can't do that. And I was like, can't. I was like, I don't know what that word is. We have a, and this is during the time where it was like people were like Amazon, all this stuff. So I was like, they're doing some like crazy things out here, but like some people are like, oh, we can't do it. So I think for me was like, I needed to really understand the medium I was like dealing with. So like when I was doing Mm -hmm. print design, I remember taking a trip to like the printers and understanding like how they mix paint and how to do all this stuff. So I was like, oh, like I needed to be more versed on like how the web works. So I think that's why I dived in more into the front end world. And I did a lot of like front end projects after that. And then I had the same question where I was like, I hate the idea of someone telling me like, hey, build this thing out. And then I just do it. So my goal was like, all right, how can I do both? And it was funny where right. back in the day, people were like, you can't do both. And I was like, what? You can't? It just, I just didn't understand. Yeah. Like they're speaking like foreign yeah. language to me. And I was like, I'm going to figure out. I'm going to do it regardless. So, yeah. and then I think hindsight when people were like, oh yeah, like there is a role, but it's like super hard as like a design technologist and whatnot. So ever since then, like my, the roles I have, I've had where like I'm able to do both design and code. I think it's pretty great. As like a product designer where you just like, all right, this is the design. I'm going to build it out. You can really build the experience of the user experience overall. Like you can say like, all right, what's right. the motion? How the things going to look like when it's loading? What if I'm on like a 3G connection? How that's going to look? Yeah. And then I think another thing that kind of worked out was like design systems is perfect for hybrids. So if you're building a design system, most often not or more, most teams don't have a fully fleshed team. So usually they will have one person. And I think design system sure. is the perfect place because you're like, all right, you could design it. And then you're also in charge of coding things up and whatnot. So, yeah. but yeah, it's been a big ride, like an interesting ride, but I think it's been fulfilling because I think oh. I'm able to talk both languages and able to like interact yeah. with anyone. And also like, I'm able to shift my talents based on the needs of the project. So I think it's sure. very fulfilling, but also like very tiring work because I think when I first was doing it, I was like burning myself out trying to do everything at once. But I think I have a system and process mm. in place and it's been super helpful. Yeah. I think one of the things I can take away from that story, and thank you for sharing, is in the same similar way that you approached studio art and process and understanding these things, through all these different moments of these, these career or role shifts, you took the same approach. And on top of that, you carve your own path. I think that's one of the things I appreciate about the work that we do. There's so many different ways to approach things. And I think it's just getting better and better as the technology improves in the way that we, and the tools that we use to interact with each other. I want to maybe touch on one piece that you concluded that talk with, and it was around the process. How do you walk in and evaluate your role considering that the needs of engineer, the needs of design sometimes kind of shift her project? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think how I approach it and how like I get the best result is I think in the context of the problem I'm trying to solve and what I'm trying to learn and what is the solution. So if the problem is like, all right, I'm going to be building a financial app clone. Say, let's say we're trying to build the next Robin Hood and whatnot. And we, before we like do anything or build it out, we want to evaluate like what is feasible, like what is like the business use and whatever like that. Based on the problem, it will let me know like how deep I should go into the design or how deep I should go into the prototyping or how deep I should go into the engineer world. Because again, the problem is driving what I'm doing. So I'm not getting into the details about, oh, like what frameworks I should be using, thinking about like the endpoints, all that stuff. I'm like thinking about like, all right, 
what is the quickest way I can validate this idea? So even for me, yeah. I use like open source, like toolkits, like design toolkits. If I need a database, I always use either Google Sheets or Airtable because it, it allows you to build stuff quickly. So that's like how I approach it where it's like, I first make sure I'm building the right thing and then I'll build the thing right. Once I figure out that process, like everything else like you can able to focus on the things that matter. Right. So wait, you build basically like an MVP prototype. It's pretty much throwaway code just to get the idea functioning. So over here, is, is this something that only you're looking at? Is this something that you're bringing to a group of people? Like maybe talk to them. Yeah, that's a good question. Usually I like to create prototypes and it's similar to if I'm drawing something like I'll, before I decide I'm going to draw this figure, I usually will do some gesture drawing to be able to throw out like as many ideas as possible. And then I could figure out yeah. which idea makes sense. And again, I'm not spending too much time to it. Usually it's a case where it's like, all right, maybe 30 seconds, each like small sketch. And I'm like valuing which one I should perceive it. It's the same thing where like with product designer, I'm trying to build something like my goal is to quickly get to the right solution. And the best way to do that is like, you're just going to basically try out as many ideas as possible. And then if you have a team, you can say, Hey, here are like the top three options, option A, option B, this is why I did this. And option mm -hmm. C, this is why I did this. And from based on my experience, people are more likely to give better feedback with prototypes right. versus a piece of paper or whatnot. And I ran into this issue, like this issue before where people are like, this should be this and this should be that. And I was like, I just literally took a day, I prototyped it out. And then the idea is like the prototype is the vocal point and people are able to get sure. feedback on something that's more tangible. And mm -hmm. I think the idea is that once you say this works, this doesn't work and whatever like that, and we get to the right thing, then we can say like, all right, cool. Like how can we make this? And I call it like the productionized phase where it's like, all right, sure. how can we incorporate our design system, our visual language? Okay, we have to think about like the endpoints and testing, all that stuff. But the idea is like, I, yeah. I'm not really concerned about that until I'm at the right solution. That makes sense. Yeah. All right, look, I want to reground that. Let's reground this, right? So. You're a design engineer. In many cases, this is actually a fairly new role. And I think we're starting to see a lot more kind of like articles and case studies around how this role is important. And so like, how would you define a design engineer? Yeah, I would say like a design engineer is a person that sits intersection of design and code. So yeah. they're able to quickly evaluate problems and take ideas from concept to completion. Yeah. So talking about your journey, it seems like you've had so many different perspective shifts. Do you see this role or the work that you're doing? Do you see that potentially evolving any more over time? And what could something like that look like? Yeah, I think it's everyone like reaches their has like different journeys. But I know specifically for me, right. like I have to dive in more into the back end aspect of things. Because you realize that, especially if you go to any application that's like data heavy and whatnot, a lot of it is driven by content and data. And I think that's like the biggest thing for me, especially like in past projects where it's like you are designing stuff, but you're not really using the proper data and whatnot. And it, for me, yeah. I've been learning about what is the best practice of taking data, sanitizing it and making it something that's useful. And also, even if you like have something that's production, like production data, ideally, you don't want to use that in prototypes because they might have PI information or whatnot. So you want to be able to like scrape that and sanitize and whatnot. So I've been learning a lot about like endpoints and how to do that. Because I think at the end of the day, a lot of these products like Google, no. Facebook, the most valuable thing they have is data. So I think 
really understand like data visualization and even understanding like yeah. data analysts is like super important. And again, I'm not trying to like be expert in it, but I want to learn enough of it. And I compare it to anything yeah. else where it's, I want to learn that 20% that's going to get me 80% there. So I, yeah. I feel like that's the evolution for me and for most people I know. Yeah. I actually had a thought about this a couple of months ago, but it just seems like the idea of like understanding like computation data to your point is going to be just extremely important in terms of just like how folks are approaching design systems. And I still think we're on the early stages because it's really interesting when you start thinking about, you probably can remember this design systems used to be literally like the sticker sheet, right? So oh, here's the style guys. <laughs> And then I think all of that kind of changed once we started seeing some of the Twitter frameworks, Google material design, and now we've gotten even further than that. I think token is a big driving factor as well. And designers are starting to learn about that. But I think like you, you have a really interesting point about the data piece, because I think with the data piece, that also is really important in terms of providing context as to how somebody might use that app. Right. Because it tells a story. So thank you for diving into that. If you were to summarize like a role of a design engineer, right? Like what are some of the core like competencies one might have to be successful? Yeah, great question. So I think a lot of it is the first thing you have to be very comfortable living in this ambiguous like stage where yeah. people, they like know the direction where they want to go, but yeah. they don't know exactly where they want to go. So it's the case where it's, I know I want to go out West, but I'm not sure where I want to go. But I know that yeah. I don't want to deal with rain or snow. So it's the case where it's like, all right, cool. I think I know what you want. So let's like what different cities or whatnot. So that's how it compared to because oftentimes like yeah. there's no clear like deadlines and whatever like that. And you have to be able to create that yourself. Yeah. The second thing is like you have to be good at like project management and really because I think a lot of times you get very tied down by like the details. So sure. You have to be able to say like, all right, this is like where I want to be at this given time and then reverse engineer the actual mm -hmm. timeline and then be able to say like, yeah. all right, this is, I have a week to like prototype. I got a week to get some feedback and then I got another week to build some stuff out. So you have to be very good at that stuff all because right. if not, then, you know, you're going to just be doing stuff without any purpose. And then I think the last thing I would say is that be a great communicator and collaborator because mm -hmm. again, you're sitting in the intersection of two disciplines. So you have to right. be able to like, interact, talk with people, get feedback, also bring people all together, make decisions and whatnot. And I feel like, again, it's not tied to like just design engineer role, but I feel like right. it's super important because you have to like sell your idea and be yeah. able to get people like behind it. So you have to be able to talk with an engineer, designer, all the way up to a C-suite executive. I think that's right. where you have to be able to learn the language and understand what drives them and be able to talk their language. So the case where yeah. when I'm selling design systems, I tell it differently between who I'm talking to. So the engineer or designer, I'm like, hey, if you don't want to spend time like building the button over and over again, that's when you use a design system. And then as you right. go all the way up to like C-level and management, you want to talk about the impact and how much money is saving. So it's like, hey, the designer doesn't have to, or developer doesn't have to waste their time building the button. And this often will save them like 20 to 30%, which again, will yeah. save you like millions of dollars or whatever like that. So it's, you have right. to be able to like communicate clearly and understand, understand who you're talking to and speak their language. Yeah. And then I'd also, I probably imagine too, managing, I'm sure you have a healthy tension between design and engineers since you're in between all of that as well. So I think that also takes just a level of understanding. I think to your point, understanding like motivations, obviously understanding 
what drives them and speaking their language is, is something that probably plays a part into that. So look, I want to get into some of your initiatives, right? So you have a podcast right now. Would love for you to give listeners an idea of that podcast, why you started it, and what is the importance of having a platform? like? Yeah, so I think it was like a year and a half ago, I started doing a lot of like mentorship. And I was constantly mm-hmm. getting like the same questions about, oh, how do I get into like design engineer? Like, what does a design engineer do? Whatever like that. And I was like, all right, maybe I just need to like do a podcast. So then like anytime people have questions, I can send it to folks so they can learn about it. So I partnered up with one of my friends, Kelly, who was a design engineer at Intuit. And then we go like, all right, let's just do this podcast. And again, we had no idea what I'm, we're doing. So we're like, all right, we're just going to do it and, and whatnot. It's been pretty gone pretty well. People yeah. have been very receptive to it. And again, our goal is to make sure that it's a one-stop shop for anything design engineer related. So we're talking about design systems, we're talking about front-end tooling, we talked about inclusive design and whatnot. And I think the idea is since it's such a wide range of topics, it's an opportunity to dive deep into specific ones and invite guests and whatnot. So yeah, I think that's a, it's a super important, especially when you start to get the same questions. And if there's not resources out there, just create it because you have to think that there's always people out there that have the same questions. And I feel like being right. able to give back to the community as much as possible is super important for us. Yeah. So give us, what's the name of it and how many episodes then are you? Oh yeah. So it's called the Code in Pixels. Right now we have, I think, 12 episodes. And if you want to visit it, it's codeandpixels.fm. We try to release a new episode every month. And then I think the last episode was with Ben Callahan. He's a founder of Sparkbox and he was talking about design system consulting. So definitely check it out. Awesome. What has the impact been like so far? We had folks reach out. Yeah, we have a bunch of, a bunch of folks reached out, especially people that's like early in the career. So sure. I think when you're early in career, you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I think what we try to do is give practical guides and also make sure people understand like the scope of it. Cause I think it's hard to like master design. It's hard to like master engineer by itself. And right now we're talking about, Hey, like you could do do it all and be this unicorn or whatnot. So it's definitely giving people a different perspective on what are the career options out here. And I always Mm -hmm. tell people what I've been here is like, it's a good way to understand and communicate through stories. So I think a lot of times where we're like in the podcast, we're talking about stuff we've gone through the problems and how mm. did we come up with solutions. So it's a good way to have people learn about the industry without having to dive deep into it first. And it might be for you, yeah. it might not be for you. And I think that's why we, we created the podcast. So yeah, I'm assuming there's probably some of that in the reflection of like your own experience, right? Because we think about, I'm just trying to, I'm assuming we're thinking about the early to mid 2000s. There wasn't really a ton of like classes that you could, unless you're at a university. So a lot of it was just walking your own path and just figuring it out. Yeah. that. So that's why even when I was in school, there was no like UX work. There was like no UX courses or whatnot. Yeah. They were like, oh yeah, web design. And then I remember getting to feel, I was like, UX, like, what is that? And then someone was like, explained to me like how like schools are usually like five, six years like behind or more. It's like, sometimes you just have to like, you see what's like where the like industry is going and you just have to learn about it. And I think even now, like, I think a lot of some course they've started offering like hybrid roles or hybrid courses in colleges and whatnot, which I think it's cool. But I think for me, it's always, you're going to learn best by doing. That's how I learned. I'm just going to, I was like, all right, I'm going to build this thing. I have no clue how I'm going to build it, but I'm just going to figure it out. But it's always great to have like courses and like more resources that's dedicated to this like role and discipline, because I feel like it's a super important role. It's difficult, but I feel like 
if you're able to take any idea from contact depletion or even just like very close, you'd be very valuable to any organization. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Look, you also do speaking. Do you have any speaking engagements coming up? Yeah. So I have two next month. I think at the May 18th, I'll be speaking at Converge, which is a conference in San Francisco. Okay. Sponsored by Zero Height. I'll be talking about evolution of design systems and whatnot. So I might be talking about some AI, chat, GBP, yeah. and all this other stuff. Yeah. And then I have another conference in, I think it's in June. And I'm facing on the name, but I'll definitely get it. It's, I know it's in Wisconsin. Oh, that conference. Oh, so it's that conference in Wisconsin. I'll be talking about best practices for creating a React design system library. Amazing. Look, we'll put those links in the show notes. Excited about AI and design systems. I know we didn't get into it too much. We touched on it very briefly, but excited to hear more about that. But again, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're at time. Is there anything that you wanted to leave with the listeners before we log off? Yeah. So I think one thing I want to like communicate to folks is that don't be afraid to try new things. Like you're going to try things and it's going to be frustrating and, and it's going to going to feel down about yourself. But I think that's like anything. It's like you're going to suck at first. I'm assuming Michael Jordan sucked at basketball at a certain point and then he kept on working on it and then he became the best of all time. So I think that's been like my process is trying new things. It's okay to you, you suck at it. But having the motivation to go through it, that's when you're going to actually learn new things and then be able to innovate and create better ideas and projects. Yeah. Yeah. How could folks find you on the internet? Uh, it's actually pretty easy. It's my first name, last name ever. So at akunleoduye.com. I use the same handle on Twitter, Instagram, and also LinkedIn. I also have a newsletter. So if you go into my site, you'd be able to sign up for that. I'm going to be working on a couple of open source projects, but also a couple of ideas I've been tinkering with for the past couple of months. So yeah, that's how you can stay in touch. I love it. Look, we've had Adekunle, a leading voice in design engineering on the show. And I love the fact that you are always testing and creating and sharing new things. So hopefully that provides folks with some motivation to dive in a little bit deeper. Appreciate you and good luck with like your future speaking engagements. Have a good one. Thanks for having me. See you.